Hello, and welcome to the James Sheets Podcast. This podcast features the sermons and preaching messages of James Sheets, who pastored throughout West Virginia for many years. If you like what you hear, please subscribe and leave a five-star review and share a memory of James with us. Let's listen as Pastor James Sheets begins his message. Slackness, but is long-suffering to usward, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. But the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night, in the which the heavens shall pass away with a great noise, and the elements shall melt with fervent heat. The earth also and the works that are in that are therein shall be burned up. Seeing then that all these things shall be dissolved, what manner of person ought ye to be in all holy conversation and godliness? looking for and hastening unto the coming of the day of God, wherein the heavens being on fire shall be dissolved and the elements shall melt with fervent heat. Nevertheless, we, according to his promise, look for new heavens and a new earth wherein dwelleth righteousness. Wherefore, beloved, seeing that, that ye look for such things, be diligent that ye may be found in him in peace without spot and blameless. May the Lord add his blessing to this reading of his word. Let us unite for just a moment of prayer. We pray, our Father, that you would now speak to us in a very special way. Clear from our minds and our hearts all of those things that might distract from our consideration of your word to us. May thy spirit dwell with each of us as we have need and as you know our need to be. May your name be honored and glorified, and our lives enriched and lifted to a higher plane of living because of our fellowship in your house this day, for we pray through Christ our Redeemer. Amen. People were inquiring and wondering about the coming of the Lord and what's going to happen in the last days and so on, and we have here recorded some things about that. When he pointed out very specifically in verse 9 that the Lord is not slack or the Lord is not uh, lackadaisical in his coming again, as some people would count slackness, but he is delaying his coming for a purpose, and that is that he is not willing that any should perish. But he discusses then, during this interim, from now until the Lord returns, or now until the end of time, what kind of a person ought we to be? This is the area of concern that we ought to have. What ought we to be? What kind of a person should we be? I want to suggest this morning, and based upon the words in the 12th, the 13th, and the 14th verses, when you will find the word look in all three verses, that we should be a looking people. Looking for, look for, look for, you will discover in those three verses. Now, first of all, I want to suggest one, one looking that we perhaps ought not to do so much of, and that is to look down. And then I want to suggest three lookings that we ought to do, that is to look up, look in, and look out. 
I am a student of um, people. I like to observe and watch the responses of people. I look at you and, and notice your responses on Sunday morning and Sunday night when I preach and on Wednesday night when I teach. I like some of it and I don't like some others of it. Uh, I, I feel like that I am a halfway decent uh, judger of people's responses. I've sort of made that a, a practice. One of the things that I have discovered about people is that when they're unsure or insecure, they look down. You've perhaps noticed that as well. If you will go down the street and watch people, you can tell what, how secure they are, whether they are burdened down by, by how they look when they're walking. Some people walk with their heads down. It's amazing to me that when we have prayer, we frequently say, now let's look to the Lord in prayer, and everybody drops their head and looks down at their shoes. I don't know where he is sometimes. I think maybe we ought to be looking up instead of looking down. I understand our reason for doing it. It's, it's an attitude of, uh, of uh, repentance and, and uh, a spirit of uh, uh, gratitude and uh, respect to be very, very humble in the sight of the Lord, and that's fine. But for the most part, uh, people have or illustrate a lack of assurance or lack of confidence when when we look down there's something bothering us that we don't have the answer to when you shake hands with somebody I believe we ought to look each other in the eye but there are times when we can't do that and so we will shake hands and look to the sideways or look down because there's an in insecure attitude or feeling that we have with our relationship to each other and sometimes that's why even in our relationship to God we look down because we don't feel very, very secure with our life and, and what we are and what we are going to be and what we're going to do. The, the people in Thessalonica were looking down into the graves of their loved ones and inquiring about that. And the Lord said, uh, using Paul as the speaker, do not grieve as others who have no hope. I think we could translate that to use for my illustration this morning. Do not look down as those who have no hope because there is something beyond the grave that we can look up to. Rather, the Lord wants us to look up. When I was a kid, my grandfather was a farmer and he taught me how to plow. He had an 800 acre farm and he used horses. <clears throat> so he put the reins around my shoulders one day and put the plow in my hands just as a teenager and the horses knew G and Hall. Do any of you know, some of you know what that means. Some of you kids don't have the slightest idea what G and Hall means. Uh, if you say Hall, the horse knows to go to the left. If you say G, he knows to go to the right. You don't have to pull on the reins and get him to do it. He understands that. He said to me, now, don't look down where you are. Look out there. Look up. Keep your eye on where you're going. And then you can instruct the horses by simply your voice, and they will then go in that straight line that you want them to go in. 
look up toward the goal. The Lord said to Ezekiel, and he was down on his knees and prostrate in, in agony and distress because of the relationship of, of the people and himself unto God. The Lord said, stand up. He said the same thing to Paul when Paul was prostrate on the road uh, when he had fallen down before the Lord with the bright light and the Lord had spoken to him. And the Lord said, stand up, get up. The emphasis upon the word up. When my grandmother died, my mother sat with her night after night because we knew that time was imminent and she soon would, would be passing on. I wasn't there at the time. I wished I had been there. I was only a teenager, but looking back on it, I wished I had been there. For my mother described her death. And she said at the moment of her death, she opened her eyes, she looked up, and she smiled, and she was gone. She looked up. On the episode of Jesus' ascension into heaven as we have it recorded in Acts. The disciples were standing looking up into heaven and finally an angel spoke to them and said, You men of Galilee, why stand ye here gazing into heaven? For this same Jesus that has been taken up from you into heaven will so come in like manner as ye have seen him go into heaven. I want you to notice the coming again of that verse. The Greek word, and I'm not sure that I can pronounce it right, is parousia, P-A-R-O-U-S-I-A. That word means parade. I believe the Lord used that word specifically to teach us that at the coming again we will look up we will see the Lord's coming, and it will be a parade. It will be a time of rejoicing, of celebration, for we will look up and see the marvelous coming of our Lord. I believe we're invited to a parade of the Lord and the saints that he will bring with him. We can look up because we will see that it is the Lord's victory. Over in 1 Thessalonians 4.16, Paul records that the Lord shall descend with a shout and with the voice of the archangel and the trump of God and so on. He will shout. He no longer is going to be described as the suffering servant, as the lamb led to the slaughter. But in his return, when we look up and see his return, he will be coming as a victorious Lord. He will be coming in victory. And he will be crying the shout. The Greek for that word indicates the cry that a commander gives to his troops. It will be an authoritative cry. And we will be hearing our king coming to call forth from the grave those that are dead and those who are alive to meet him in the air. And Luke 21, 28 says, when these things begin to come to pass, look up. 
and lift up your heads, for your redemption draweth nigh. Look up. But let's also look in or inward. This coming again of our Lord, we are told, He will come as a thief in the night. When we think not, then, then He will come. He gave us the parable of the virgins who went out to wait for the bridegroom to come with his new bride. They waited into the night, they had taken their lamps, and some of them were foolish and, and took no oil in their lamps. And the cry was made that the Lord is coming, the bridegroom comes with his bride, and, and they got up quickly to make preparation to go into the feast, and some of them discovered that they didn't have any oil. They began to trim their lamps and there was nothing there. They looked inward and discovered that they had nothing. Most of us have at some time or other gone to a doctor for an examination for our illness, and he may look outwardly at us, at our physical appearance. He will check your fingernails, as he's done mine, and look at the palms of our hands. He will look at our eyes and, and so on, but before he's done, he looks inside. He can't really tell too much, although he can tell some, but he can't tell a lot of times what's wrong until he looks inside. And he'll take that little light and he'll look in the eyeball. The doctor always does that to me when I go for an eye examination or go for a physical. He looks into my eye and he can tell about my physical well-being to a great degree by what he sees inside my eye. But sometimes that isn't enough. And I've had that thing of, of going to sleep and he runs something down, a light down in, through my throat into my stomach and he goes in there and he looks around and he looks inside. He looks in the blood through the, the blood examinations. He's got to see what's wrong inside. And I suggest to you this morning that it is important and very necessary for us as God's children to continually look inward to see if that which we find inside us is acceptable. If there is spiritual disease within us that needs correction. I suggest that we need to check our lamps continually to make sure that we have the oil, to make sure that we have the wick, in order when this trumpet will sound and when the voice will be heard of our Lord for his return, that we can make the preparation for entering into the marriage feast because we have already examined our internal life and determined if it is ready for that day. Now, some people cannot do that and come up with a positive response. It may very well be that some of you need to take this morning a very, very careful internal examination to see if you have those ingredients that are necessary for you to become a part of that great victorious parade when our Lord returns. And if you discover that you don't have the necessary ingredients, then this morning we want to invite you to accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior and have the sin of your life cleansed and purified internally that you might stand with the Lord in that day. But fourthly, 
We as a church need to look out. Philippians 2.4 says, Look not everyone on his own things, but everyone on the things of others. Two things I want to say. Number one, we as a church people need to look out for each other. Look out for each other. One of the responsibilities that we have as, as a Christian is to look out for the other. We are to encourage each other. Paul said in Philippians 5.11, comfort one another. It is time in this church and in every church that I know of, it is time for the church to build up its membership, to look out for each other, to encourage and support. As our Lord said in Revelation 3.2, be watchful and strengthen that which remains. We need to look out for our membership and encourage and support those who have need. Every Sunday that we come here together, I am impressed by the fact that we have needs amongst us. How many of you held up your hand this morning without saying what it was? You said, I have a personal need. We, we find that continually. You have loved ones for whom you're praying. You have friends. You have personal physical needs in your own life. You have health needs. You have all kinds of needs. And we must support each other. And how important it is and how wonderful it is to know that we can come together as a church and we are looking out for each other. But lastly, we must look out for those who are lost. Our job as a church is to win the lost. Brother Fox mentioned to us that which is happening on the mission field. 196 foreign missionaries are winning those many thousands of people on the foreign fields to Jesus Christ. And this church has a part in that. The money that you give might seem so insignificant, and perhaps it ought to be more, and I will not challenge you on that but that which we do as as an individual becomes collectively a great force for the cause of Christ in the world but we need to be also conscious and look out for the loss of our own community we cannot be satisfied by saying that we give to missions and they will then win the loss to Christ in, in all of our foreign mission fields the Lord said to us in Matthew 9, 37 and 38, The fields are white unto harvest, but the laborers are few. Pray therefore that the Lord of the harvest, that he will send forth laborers into the harvest. We are those laborers, not just the missionaries on the foreign fields, and not just the pastors who stand behind the pulpit, but every Christian in the pew is a laborer in the kingdom of God to win the lost to Christ. Have you had the experience of giving a personal testimony to a lost individual? Many, many of you will say, I have had that experience. And you know what it's like, and you know the blessings that you get 
from realizing that you were a part, a direct part, in winning a lost soul to Christ. But many of you have never done that. Or at least you don't know that your testimony has, has been there. We are commissioned by the Lord himself to go out into the highways and the byways and the hedges and compel, not by force, but by our testimony, compel people to come to Jesus Christ and his saving knowledge. John 4.35 says, Say not ye therefore, there are four months, and then cometh the harvest. Behold, I say unto you, lift up your eyes and look on the fields, for they are white already to harvest. There are many souls who would like to know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. And it is very, very likely that the only way that some of those are going to be one to Jesus Christ is if you, you as an individual who has already experienced the testimony of someone else and you have been one to the Lord will share your experience and give your testimony to somebody else. To somebody else. They're waiting. Quite into the harvest. Let me close with an illustration I used one time before and so I will abbreviate it. Of the layman in the First Baptist Church of Indianapolis who spoke before a minister's group and explained that he had been many, many times in association with another man who was not a Christian in his office building and had never witnessed to him. This man came in one day whose name was Bruce, and Bruce said to the person who was doing the speaking, he said, I have come to know Jesus Christ, and I want you to know him too, and he was all bubbly. And my friend said to him, well, Bruce, I am happy for you, but I've known Jesus for a long time. And Bruce's countenance fell, and his face became stern, and he smiled at his face, and he said, and you've had all this time what I wanted, and you didn't tell me. And with that, he turned and left the room. I hope I never have that experience that I have withheld. I hope you never have had that experience when you have withheld the gospel from somebody who wants to hear. And we won't give. Let's not look down. Let's look up to the coming of the Lord. Let's look inward to our own spiritual relationship to our Lord and let's look out to those and for those who need within the church the uplifting of your prayers and support and look out for those who need to know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. This is our mission. This is our commission given to us by our own Lord. Shall we pray? Thank you, Lord, for the witness of your life as we have felt it within our heart and soul throughout our saved life and this morning as we feel you in our presence. Help us, our Father, as your children to look out for each other, 
and especially to look out for the lost. Well, our witness and our testimony would bring them to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. If there is one in this congregation this morning who does not know you, our Father, we pray that thy spirit would deal with them especially as we invite them to come before the front of this church and by their testimony and coming say, I've accepted Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. Our Father, we pray that you would deal with a member of this church, perhaps, who has felt a keen need to repent of their sins and bring their life closer into a fellowship with thee. They've felt wayward. And they know now and they feel now with the presence of the Spirit speaking to their heart that they need to rededicate their life to a renewed fellowship with Thee. That they have the courage and the wisdom through the power of Thy Spirit to step forward and gladly make known this fact to this congregation and to Thee. Bless us as we pray in the needs of every heart in this congregation. May they be met today through the grace of Your Spirit. For in Christ's name we pray. Thank you for listening to today's message. If you like what you hear, hit the subscribe button. You'll receive automatic notifications and downloads when a new message is added to the podcast. Also, please leave a five-star review and take the opportunity to share stories, memories, and appreciation for James Sheets and how God used him to impact your life. If you'd like to know why and how this podcast got started, check out our first episode. Lastly, if you want to donate to help offset the cost of operating this podcast, you'll find a link to our PayPal account in the podcast description. Thank you for listening, and remember to trust in God for today and for all of your tomorrows.